Romans chapter. I want to speak to you about overcoming today. Overcoming. We live in a world where it's impossible, uh, but that people fall out with us from time to time. It's impossible, but the people, for one reason, sometimes they have no reason. Sometimes that's an imagined reason. Sometimes it's a real reason. But we live in a world where, for one reason or another, people fall out with us, and people can end up hating us. Now, the problem for us is not what people do to us, but what we do to them. The problem for us is not um, how they respond to us, but how we respond to them. And it's very easy for us to get in the wrong foot and to respond to them wrongly. But Romans chapter 12 teaches us how to overcome. Romans 12 teaches us how to overcome. We're looking at verses um, 17 through the end, 21. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink, for in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Father in heaven, would you bless us today as we look to your word. Lord, we live in a world that throws up difficulties to us regularly. Blessed Spirit of the living God, would you have your way in each heart today? And Lord, where there's some block, where there's something that's standing between us and you, Lord, uh, where there's an area of hatred crept into our hearts, blessed Spirit, would you remove it? Would you take it away and deal with us in Jesus' name? Amen. Booker T. Washington uh, was the the, the founder of the world-famous Tuskegee Institute uh, in the state of Alabama in the U.S. Uh, He was uh, a freed slave, and he lived in a day and age when life was pretty tough. He lived in a day and age when he was treated pretty poorly by many people. Uh, He lived in a day and age when he was persecuted, uh, we might say. But he said this. He said this. He said, I will not let any man make me lower myself by hating him. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that powerful? I will not let any man make me lower myself by hating him. You see, it's no wonder that he became a great man. man. He's he's regarded as one of the greats of American history. And now, you can't always stop people from hurting you, but you don't have to hate them back. You can't always make people love you, but you can always love them back. Now, we're believers, and we can actually respond to the world differently because of the Lord Jesus Christ and because of the power of his working and his word in our lives. Everybody in this room have people that has a person or people that have fallen out with you, that have a problem with you. As I said, sometimes it's for a real reason. Sometimes you did something wrong, and you need to make it right with them. Sometimes it's because they perceive you did something wrong, and there's no way you can make it right. And sometimes it's just because there's uh, something uh, being misconstrued for them that that appears like you've done them wrong, and and there's really not much you can do about it. And they can come off pretty strong in their hatred to you. The key for you is that you don't fight fire with fire, that you don't come back with the same thing for them, but that rather what you do is you come to the place where you actually deal with it spiritually. 
Um, Jesus gave us a golden rule. He said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And Romans 12, this passage that we're looking at here, uh, is kind of an elaboration or an extension uh, of just that basic rule. Now, all of us here would like people to treat us like it tells us to treat people in Romans chapter 12. We need to do that. And we need to be the first to do that. We need to be the first one that comes up with doing that, right? Now, our passage gives us two things. First of all, it gives us uh, a call to peace. Look at it there in verse 17. Recommends to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. It says, provide things honest in the sight of all men. You're to live your life in such a way uh, that you're not causing offense. You're to live your life in such a way that you're actually a blessing and a help to people uh, and that you're doing the right thing. You're to provide things honest in the sight of all. Live in such a way uh, that nobody has accusation against you. That nobody can look at you and, uh, and bring up issues and throw them at you uh, where you've hurt them, where you've done them wrong, where you've cost them. We're to live differently because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we didn't have a rule here. We have a whole Bible that tells us that. You know, the commandments basically split in two, don't they? We have the, the Godward commandments in the first four, and then we have the manward commandments teaching us how to deal with man, how to live with man. Jesus broke it into two rules. He said, love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So that we are supposed to live in this world as people that don't cause offense if we wanted to put it as, as easy as that. Now, I know you're saying, well, pastor, in a perfect world, that would be fine, and I wouldn't cause offense, but the reality is I'm me, and I have caused offense, right? Well, when we cause offense, we're supposed to deal with it. We're supposed to make it right as best we can. Um, but the idea is that we look at ourselves first, that the issue is that the call to peace is, I want to live peaceably, right? It says, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Now, That's practical, right? Because it says, as much as lieth in you. And the reality is, uh, you can't live peaceably with them. And there are those people that are going to pick fights. There are those people that live off fights and so on. It's not going to be possible for you to live uh, peaceably with all men. But here's here's the thought for you. Listen, that's supposed to be your aim and your goal. You're going to live peacefully with people. That you're not going to be the one that breaks the peace. That you're not going to be the one that causes the fight. That you're going to do all that you possibly can to live peaceably with people. And if we get that down, you, you know what helps us a lot in life? Now, look, I, I, I realize there are people, and no matter what you do, they're going to find fault and they're going to pick a fight. There are people just out there like that. There are people who just, <clears throat> that's true. But you know what? They're rare. They're not the norm. Most people want peace. Most people don't want to spend their time fighting. And most people, given half a chance in your life, will be peaceful with you. Most people, if you will be peaceful with them, they will be peaceful with you. So it really helps you on that level. But the thing for you to understand is that the command to you first is, let's provide things honest. Live right before people. Don't, Don't claim to be a Christian and then live wrong before people. Live right before people and pursue peace. Pursue peace. Be a peace-loving person. Be somebody that wants peace. Somebody uh, who looks for peace. It is so easy for us to get bent out of shape. It is so easy for us to come to the place, you know, where we get irritated and bothered and stressed with people. And we get to the place where um, we're not looking for peace. We're looking to settle scores. 
Don't do that. As much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. By the way, if you'll take the, the, the prescriptions of Scripture as truth, they're an enormous help to you in the art of living. An incredible help in the art of living. Uh, I wish I was raised on it. Those of you that have been raised on it, listen, what a blessing to be raised on it. But you know what? Being raised on it is different from letting it in. But when you let it in and you allow it to guide your life and to be the, uh, the rule of your life, it is such a blessing uh, in effective living. It really is. It will help you so much. So the first thing that it says there is, listen, as much as in you uh, live peaceably with all men, don't cause offense. Don't get in fights. Don't stir up trouble. Right? You want to live peaceably. Well, there are times when you're going to have to. That's just <clears throat> the way it is. And there are times when you're going to do things that people are going to construe differently to the way you even did them. And they're going to come back and they're going to come and fight with you. Sometimes it's going to be persecution in the sense that they really are offended with you because of your faith. You know, if you're honest and being a witness to people, uh, <clears throat> there are some people that are going to get offended. With you. And in fact, I think everybody has to get offended at some point in order to get saved. Uh, we like to think they get offended with the Holy Spirit, but they really don't know what's going on. They don't tend to get offended with the Holy Spirit. They get offended with the messenger at first. Now, the Holy Spirit's job to take that offense and to deal with it in terms of conviction and bring them to himself. But, you know, so when you faithfully witness, you're going to have people that don't like you. Right? You can go back through all the graces. <clears throat> John Wesley uh, was regularly stoned. <clears throat> now, he was a nice guy. Uh, but he was regularly stoned. Why was he stoned? Because when he preached the word, uh, it, it convicted people. people. People fell in the streets as he spoke the word. And you know what? The ones that didn't fall in the streets picked up stones to get rid of them. Uh, the faith mission had as its motto uh, in Scotland that riot or revival. They were, not, they were not happy until they'd had one or the other when they went to a town. They would go into a town. They would preach in that town. They would uh, <clears throat> go door to door. They would do whatever it took. Uh, to get people involved in the gospel. And either there would be a riot and they'd be run out of town, or there'd be a revival and souls would start getting saved. There'd be great things happen. That's just the way it is. When it comes to the gospel, there are always going to be those people that are offended with you. Now, not just talking about the gospel, but talking about other areas of life. When people are offended with you, and they've chosen not to be your friend, and they've chosen to stand against you, and to fight, how are you going to deal with it? How are you going to work in the situation? Well, there's a prescription here, step-by-step prescription for you. First of all, the Bible says don't take revenge. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Uh, There are no exceptions, no pleas for extenuating circumstances, no maybes, no ifs or buts. Revenge and retaliation are always wrong. You've heard it said. I heard a quote uh, about John Kennedy. Uh, Don't get mad, get even. And um, that's good prescription for the world, but it's not for us. Now, here's what we tend to do. We tend to get mad and then get even, don't we? Um, In in a very nice way sometimes, but we, we, we tend to get mad and then get even. But we're not supposed to do that. We're not supposed to take revenge. We're not supposed to go after our own issues and deal with them. Now, there's a huge pressure on us internally and externally to do that. Don't let them treat you like a doormat. Fight your cause. Fight fire with fire. If you allow that, they're going to push you for more. But you need to say, no, I'm not going to take revenge. I'm not going to exact justice 
on my own behalf. I'm going to leave that in God's hands. Now, listen, that is a test of your spirituality right there. Because sometimes it's in your power to exact justice, to go after them and to deal with the situation. But you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to do it that way. And if you think about it, again, it's spiritual on the one hand, but it's very practical on the other hand. You know what? When you go go trying to take revenge, when you go go trying to deal with the situations that people have, where people have unfairly or wrongly dealt with you, typically what happens is you get it wrong. You mess it up. You know, we go in with all guns blazing and we shoot the innocent and everybody all at the same time. We go in and we take the situation apart and, and we do huge damage. And we may feel like we've made our point, but you know what? There's people bleeding around us. Uh, we can mess it up when we, take, uh, when we go in to sort the situation out ourselves. Uh, the most fundamental reason, though, not to take revenge is that by our clumsiness, we may block God's work in another person's life. We just want to get even. But God wants to bring that person to a place of repentance and reconciliation. God has a better view than we do, and he has a higher goal. Vengeance is his speciality. Vengeance is mine, said the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but I've looked at situations in my life, and I've wondered why God hasn't dealt with it sooner. If I were God, now we don't have those thoughts, right? But if I were God, I would deal with things a whole lot quicker. There, there, there are people I would sort out. Uh, there are people I would, uh, and I would fix them. Now, who, who do I think I am to play God, even in my mind? Who do you think you are? To play God even in your mind. You don't know. You don't know what God wants to do in the situation. Uh, God has his own ways of dealing with the situation. Vengeance is his speciality. Think about it. He's the God who kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden. That sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it? Did you ever read that story? and say That's very harsh. All they did was eat the piece of fruit. Why did he kick them out of the garden? Well, because God knew exactly what he was doing. God knew exactly what he was doing. Uh, He's the God who caused the Red Sea to dry up for the Israelites and then drowned the Egyptians. If I was an Egyptian, I'd be mightily offended at what he did there. But he knew what he was doing. Uh, He's the God who opened up the ground and swallowed the sons of Korah and the God who struck Miriam with leprosy. He's also the God who delivered Goliath into David's hands and the same God who caused David's infant son to die because of his affair with Bathsheba. He allowed Peter to walk on water. Then Jesus rebuked him uh, to his face and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. He worked miracles in the early church, but killed Ananias and Sapphira when they lied about their giving. He sent the gift of tongues to the church at Corinth, but sent sickness and death into the congregation because they were getting drunk at the Lord's table. He's God. He sees things we don't see. He watches the motives of the heart. He knows our thoughts before we think them, our words before we speak them. He knows what we're going to do before we do it, and he knows the reason why. He knows. We just think we know. We just think we know what's best in the situation. And very often the situation is like this. It bothers me. Like I'm the center of the world. It bothers you like you're the center of the world. No. You know what? There's a much bigger picture going on. There's a much bigger picture uh, that God is dealing with. And God says, I don't want you putting your mucky hands all over it. I want you to let me do what I need to do and stand out of the way. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Now, understand this, that vengeance is his. He does deal. 
He doesn't deal with things on our timescale. He doesn't deal with things in the way perhaps we would like to see them dealt with. But he does deal with things. You know, you can suffer persecution at somebody's hands and you can be sure God's going to deal with it. He will ultimately deal with it, not in the way perhaps you would like him to, not in the timing that you would like him to do, but he will do it. Now, let me tell you this, and we're going to have to tease our way through this. There is a better way to get even. There is a better way to settle the score. There's a better way for you to work it out. Look back at our passage here. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Now, humanly speaking, that's a pretty dumb verse, right? If you feed your enemy, what's going to happen to him? He's going to get stronger. (laughs) And he's going to hurt you more. uh, if, If you help him in that way, he's going to actually be more of a problem, more of a difficulty to you. If you give him to drink, I mean, you're prolonging him. But God says that's what you're to do anyway. If he hungers, feed him. You know, this passage kind of mirrors Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus says, bless them that curse you, um, do good to them that, 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 that use you, and pray for those people as well. You see, it kind of mirrors that. God is telling you, go the opposite of your nature. Now, several ha- things happen when you go the opposite of your nature. First of all, what you do is you challenge yourself. You challenge the carnal veneer that we stretch over our lives and uh, say we're spiritual because it's easy for us to be spiritual in our devotional time. Nobody's doing us any wrong there. Everything's nice and fine when it's just me and God. It's when you go out into the world and you start meeting with people and dealing with them. That's when the problems uh, come about. And, you know, it's, that's when the reality of our Christianity begins to show. It begins to show where we really stand and where we're really at. And in all honesty, <clears throat> that's the testing ground for you. Right? But I want you to look. He's quoting here from Proverbs 25. I want you to look back at Proverbs 25 with me because there's a, a little piece that hasn't been quoted here in Romans chapter 12, which is helpful to us. Proverbs 25, and we're looking at verse 21. If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For thou shalt heap coals of fires upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. He didn't quote that part, but it's implied in Romans chapter 12. The Lord will reward you. When you go against your your own nature, when somebody's hurt you, and instead of wanting to settle the score and get even, instead of harboring those bitter thoughts, even if you don't play them out, you decide, no, I'm going to go the opposite direction. I am going to do them good. I am going to bless them. I am going to help them. But when you go against your nature and do that in those times, what happens is God blesses you. That's what happens. That's the reality of what God, God does. God blesses you. Now, <clears throat> Let's think about it for a second. Who is our enemy? Now, you know, you don't have many enemies in Iran. You know why? Because you don't know anybody in Iran for the most part. You don't have many. There there are lots of places around the world where you don't have many enemies. Now, when it comes to Dublin, uh, Ireland 
you can have enemies there. In fact, the closer you get to, to, to you, the easier it is for you to have enemies. You can have enemies in your own household. Now you say, no. Well, yes, that's the truth. You can actually, it's, it's the people that are close to you that have the opportunity to do you the most damage. And that, that's where often it happens. Uh, let me give you a definition of, of an enemy that's interesting, right? An enemy is any person God uses to reveal my weakness. An enemy is like a chisel God uses to chip away at the rough spots in my life. Now, look, if I had my way, I'd have no chisels in my life. I'd have a nice, easy life. There'd be nobody uh, going against me and nobody making life hard for me and no difficulties in my life. But do you know that God has decided that O'Gorman needs changing, that he needs to become like the Lord Jesus Christ? And so God has purposefully brought people into my life that set themselves against me, and they're part of God's plan to change me. And he has done the same in your life too. And sometimes it's those people that are closest to you that are the sharpest chisels. It's those people that are closest to you that he is using. Uh, The enemy is almost always a friend, a colleague, a family member who has hurt me in some way. My enemy, by definition, will always be someone close to me. I don't have any enemies in far-off countries. My enemies are here. They're around me. But understand this, that the enemies that you have are not just people that arrived in your life out of the blue. They're not just interruptions to what you want to do and what God wants to do in your life. They're part of it. They're part of what God wants to do in your life. Those difficulties are part of it. And your response to them is key. Your response to them, how you deal with them, is key. Now, uh, the Bible says you're going to pour burning coals on their head. Now, that's an interesting picture because it really doesn't look very nice, first of all. And it's very impractical because if you put burning coals on somebody's head, they'd they'd be burned, right? Here's a thought, though. Uh, Some of the commentators say this, right? That the Assyrians used to take and put hot ashes on their head when they were repentant, when they were sorry for something they had done, uh, when they had done something and it was wrong. And here's what happens. If you will treat people right, what you do is you open the door to them getting things straightened out and getting things right. And remember, that's what God wants. That's what God wants in those situations. You want justice. You know, you you want fierce justice to visit them right away. But God wants repentance. And you may be a tool in their lives to bring them to repentance. You may be... By doing them good when they've done you wrong, you may be the instrument God uses to actually bring them to God. Think about it. Don't we want to go in and we want to go in all guns blazing and blast the situation and make them turn to God? And even if we don't make them turn to God, at least they'll be out of our hair. But God wants to take the situation and use it to draw them to himself. He wants you to use hot coals to draw them to himself. Now, what would hot coals be? Well, it could be a kind word, could be a phone call, could be a brief note, could be a flower, a meal, a small gift, 
um, <clears throat> running an errand, offering a, a, a lift, helping them complete a project, uh, stepping in to save, <clears throat> save a project that was failing, putting in a good word with their superiors, helping them uh, clean the classroom, uh, doing some activity with them. The list is end- endless. Hot coals are you doing good even though somebody doesn't deserve it. Now, let me tell you how not to do it. Don't do it with a superior attitude, even though you're a rat and you deserve dire punishment. I am going to be nice to you anyway. Don't expect to get much from that situation, right? In fact, there are some situations where you can't do it openly because you're instantly going to cause offense. There's contention between you and this person, and if you do it openly, they're going to say, yeah, I know what you're up to. Right? You, you know, you're just going to cause a problem there. But the deal is they're doing you wrong, but you're doing them good. Remember when Jesus from the cross said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's amazing, isn't it? That's incredible. I mean, they were causing him physical pain in the extreme right at that moment. And he is doing them good. He's asking the Father to forgive them, not to hold it against them. And he's actually shedding his blood to save them from their sin. They're doing him wrong, but he's doing them Good. Now, that's totally contrary to the way the world looks at things, isn't it? That, 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 makes you, that makes you very different from the world. That makes you a whole different kettle of fish than the world. If you look at those situations and you start doing right even where they're doing wrong, you, you, you're back in the Sermon on the Mount. You're back in the Beatitudes there. You're back in the place where you're doing things that just don't make sense humanly, and yet, spiritually speaking... It's what God commands, it's what's good for you, and it's what's best for others too. And it's what leads you to be an overcomer. And remember, either you're overcomer, an overcomer, or you're overcome. It's one or the other. There's not a middle ground. In every instance, either you're an overcomer or you're overcome, one or the other. And the Bible says that God will reward you. You see, Revenge destroys you, but good overcomes evil. Bitterness destroys. Anger and wrath and malice destroy. Uh, they, what they do is they, they, they hurt us, but doing good helps us. Doing good is a blessing to us. And it's a totally different take than the world has. And yet, you know, when you get bitter with somebody... Who do you hurt? Typically not them. Now, it would be nice to think that your bitterness could hurt somebody else, but it doesn't. And oftentimes, your bitterness is ineffective, even in that, in hurting somebody. It actually doesn't do it. What you end up is destroying yourself, though. You end up leaving yourself with the tormentors. Paul says, don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. He means don't let revenge destroy your life. And it does. And the children of God often destroy their lives because they've allowed a spirit of revenge. They may not be able to do anything about it, but they've let a heart of revenge. He hit me back. He hit me, so I had to hit him back. Um, Sure, I said some awful things to him, but he said them to me first. 
Uh, this happens in marriage all the time. We play the game of tit for tat. You hurt me, so now I'm going to hurt you. You cheated on me, so now it's okay for me to cheat on you. You slapped me, so I can slap you. Uh, you raised your voice, so now I'm going to raise my voice just one decibel louder. And on and on it goes. Uh, and if we're Christians, we may even use the Bible to support it. You know the part about an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? It's called evening the score. But it's wrongly interpreted. It's not what you're supposed to do. It's not how you're supposed to live. Um, <clears throat> Getting even doesn't work. What happens when you try to get even? You unleash the whole cycle of retribution and violence. It never ends because somebody, someone else, always wants to get the last word. Have you noticed that? That when you get all fired up and you say all that you wanted to say and you've been storing up for weeks to say and you actually unleash it all, they crumple in the floor in front of you and they, they fall in a puddle of repentance and they're so sorry they've offended you in that way. Ever seen that happen? You've never seen that happen, have you? What happens? They come back and hit you with harder things. So what do you do? You come back and hit them with harder things. That's the way it goes. You start this game of tit for tat. Uh, you know, up in Northern Ireland, <clears throat> we had years and years of troubles. Over 3,000 people uh, died. And you know what? It was tit for tat and tit for tat and tit for tat. One person killed one person on, one, uh, on the Catholic side, so they killed somebody on the Protestant side. So they killed somebody on the Catholic side. So they killed somebody on the Protestant side. It was tit for tat. It was just this endless settling the score. And listen, you can't settle the score that way. Eventually, somebody had to pull their head out of it and say, hang on a minute, this is ridiculous, let's stop. So they stopped settling the score. Some people are not very happy about it to this day. They still want to go on settling the score. But there's no settling the score. You can't settle the score that way. Uh, It's not possible. But what does happen is uh, that in the process of hurting another person, you end up getting desperately hurt yourself on the inside. You end up being given over to the tormentors, and the tormentors torment you. When you fight fire with fire, when you use the world's methods to deal with things, what happens is you end up with the problems coming back on you. You end up being the one in trouble. Um, In many cases, the hidden tormentors have done their dirty work inside and out your soul, and in the process of seeking to get even, you have lost your health, and people are sick. They've got nervous problems. They've got uh, mental problems. They've got depression. They've got uh, physical illnesses. And listen, they're real. Go to the doctor with them because they're real. But you know what? They're caused by wanting to settle scores, wanting to get things even, wanting to come to the place where where you get even with that person, where you get revenge for yourself. What happens is you get twice hurt. You get hurt, first of all, by what the person did to you. And then you get hurt in your attempt to get even, but you actually get twice hurt in the situation. You get hurt twice in it. But it says, overcome evil with with good. Uh, Don't be overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Martin Luther King said this. He said, the arm of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. God has so arranged things that evil does well in the short run, but good always wins in the end. If life is like a 100-yard dash, bet on it, but it's not. Life is a marathon, and because because it is, good wins out in the end. Have you noticed that? You know, people can do you wrong, but they never get away with it in the end. They don't. It just doesn't happen. Now you say, but it seems like they have. 
It might seem like they have in the short term. But look at the picture in the long term. It never does. You know, <clears throat> 54 years old, and there, 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 there are blessings with being 50. There are blessings with kind of getting older because you get to have a broader perspective on how things happen. You get to be able to look back at things that happened and see how they actually affected people and their lives. You can look back at things that people have done on you. And at the time, were maybe excruciatingly painful, but you look back and you see how it played out in their life. And you know what? You always come to the place where you're glad they did it to you and you didn't do it to them. It's actually better that they did it to you and that you weren't doing it to them. Because there's justice in the world. It's built into the whole woof and fabric of the thing. And it has its way in the end. It works its way out in the end. It always brings the situation to rights in the end. Ultimately, everybody in this world will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. Either they'll stand before the Lord Jesus Christ at the Bema Seat, uh, where they get rewarded as Christians, or they'll stand before the Lord Jesus Christ at the Great White Throne Judgment, but everybody's going to stand before him. Those eyes of flame are going to look into every soul, and he is going to judge righteous judgment. There's coming that day when he is going to actually decide it and deal with it, and it's going to be done, dusted, and over. You don't need to settle the score now. What you need to do is recognize that person who's treated you wrong is somebody God put there to help you be more like Christ. And when you respond in a right way and do good, even though they've done you wrong, and bless, even though they've cursed. When you put yourself in the place where you are doing the right thing in spite of them doing you the wrong thing, you know what? You overcome. You become a victor. That's another word for winner. You become the victor, spiritually, definitely. But you know what? In life, too. Here's Booker T. Washington. He's uh, being treated miserably. He lives in an age of segregation. He lives in an age when he's, because he's black, he's, 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 he's not even a second-class citizen. He, he hardly exists on the Richter scale of life. But <clears throat> he decided that he was never going to lower himself by hating somebody, even though they hated him. You know what? The people that hated him aren't remembered. But he is. His name is remembered. He was a great educator. But the people that hated him aren't. Listen, when time passes on, and people look back at the issues you're dealing with in your life today, they're not going to remember the fact, the people that hurt you, as big as they are in your mind. But you know what? They might just remember you if you respond right. And do you know why? Because God will reward you. You can't settle the scores. You'll be totally ineffective at doing it. But he can. And if you put it in his hands, he'll take care of it, and he'll reward you. Isn't that what you want? Let's stand for prayer. Father in heaven, we <clears throat> thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for its plan for clever living. And, oh, Lord, I do pray that you would just bless us, Lord. May it not be words that go from the pulpit and, Lord, tickle our ears for a few minutes and are forgotten. But, Lord, may it be 
arrows from your spirit that lodge in hearts and that make changes and that turn lives around and that put us in the place of grace, put us in the place of reward, put us in the place of blessing. Oh, Lord, would you work deep in us? Lord, we live in the midst of a people of unclean lips, and so often, Lord, we're just like them in this area. Help us, Lord, I pray. Every head bad and every eye closed. Let me ask you a couple of questions here. First of all, are you saved this morning? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior? You're sure without shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, you would immediately go into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you sure of that? You know, listen, God wants you to be sure. God wants you to have that settled in your heart. But if you're not sure, would you lift your hand so I can get somebody after the service to take the Bible and show you how you can be sure? The most important thing in life. You would say, listen, I'm not sure, but I'd like to be. Would you lift your hand so I can pray for you? Amen. See that hand. Amen. See that hand too. All right, you can put them down. Let me ask you another question. Are you bitter? I realize we're Christians and we know bitterness is wrong and we put all kinds of spin on bitterness. But are you bitter against somebody? In the honesty of your heart before the Holy Spirit right now, are you bitter? Is there someone that's hurt you? And listen, you're not letting it go. It's God. Would you lift your hand so I can pray for you? See those hands. Amen. See those hands. Are there others? Oh, listen. Bitterness is such a destroyer. And I understand how easy it is for us to be bitter, but it's such a destroyer. Don't let it destroy you. Let me ask you another, one other question. Have you hurt somebody <clears throat> and you need to make it right? Are you the cause of somebody's bitterness? Now, I realize for their side... There can't be a cause. But you know what? On your side, there might be. If you remember that your brother has aught against you, you're to leave your gift at the altar and go and deal with him. Go and make it right. Is there somebody you've hurt and you need to make it right? Would you lift your hand? That's a tough one, isn't it? See those hands. Amen. See those hands. Amen. Are there others? You know, we serve a loving Heavenly Father. If you're not saved, he'll save you in a heartbeat today. It's so simple. On our side, it's, it's, it's almost too simple. But that's because he loves us and he gave his son to die for us and he wants to save us. If you're bitter and you come to him, I'm not saying that you can just kind of <clears throat> say, okay, well, I'm, I'm getting rid of the bitterness. But if you can come and confess the sin to him, he'll help you. He will enable you to get rid of the bitterness. And if you need to deal with somebody that you've hurt, listen, he will give you strength and help. And he will enable you to do it. Piano is going to play, and as the piano plays, and God is dealing with you, would encourage you, come, do business with him, get it settled with him this morning. <laughs>